Welcome to the Geneva Center for Security Policy weekly podcast. I am your host, Dr. Paul Vallée, Associate Fellow with the GCSP Global Fellowship Initiative. For the next few weeks, I'm talking with subject matter experts to explain issues of peace, security, and international cooperation. Thanks for tuning in. This coming week, May 9th is marked as Europe Day, the 71st anniversary of the presentation by French Foreign Minister and quote-unquote father of Europe, Robert Schuman, of the draft Schuman Plan which sealed post-war European reconciliation, reconstruction, and integration. In 76 years since the end of the Second World War, Europe has evolved to become a more peaceful and secure region and aspires also to provide more security for itself and its partners. To discuss this, I'm pleased to be joined today by Colonel Markus Schneider. Colonel Schneider is currently the Senior Defense Advisor to the GCSP, where he was seconded by the German Armed Forces, the Bundeswehr, in June 2020. Oberst Schneider is a graduate of the German Armed Forces Command and Staff College in Hamburg and comes to us after completing his latest command of the Logistics Department of the Rapid Forces Division in Stadtallendorf. He has exercised an impressive number of command positions and operations abroad as well, uh, in Kosovo and Iraq, notably, in representation at NATO, the EU, and also in Israel, where he attended the National Staff College, and, of course, as an instructor at the Armed Forces Command and Staff College in Hamburg, the Bundeswehr University in Munich. And uh, I believe all of this has been quite a fitting preparation for you uh, for your task now at the GCSP. So it's a real pleasure to have you for your insights here today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Paul. Pleasure to be here. Well, uh, my first question to you is, um, of course, uh, comparing your uh, experiences uh, in Germany and Switzerland. Germany and Switzerland, of course, have different histories and international positions and external policy orientations. Of course, neutrality is, of course, uh, the big difference between uh, the two of them. But could you tell us uh, whether you find points of convergence in their respective actions towards international peace and security? Thanks, Paul, for that question. Um, Germany and, and Switzerland are direct neighbors, and the relationship is, from my point of view, really good. Although you're right, uh, both have different approaches and positions to some aspects of peace and security. I totally agree that especially the German history is still a driver for a number of our different positions, evaluations, and approaches. Additionally, uh, the German NATO and EU membership um, are, for me, the biggest aspects for different approaches. The German role in both institutions is the main driver for our way to tackle uh, challenges to security and peace. And so therefore, there, there has to be by, by culture and by organization different approaches. But also economic and cultural aspects are um, other drivers. But um, there are, of course, a number of commonalities. Uh, first of all, I think we have a common side on security challenges. Without any priorizations, uh, tensions, rivalries and risks along European borders, the behavior and action of Russia and China and uh, the close connected uh, hyper threats to that, cyber threats and disinformation strategies, um, the rising use of conventional forces, but also ongoing danger by Islamic terrorism are only a few among them. And uh, most dominantly at the moment, climate change and pandemics. So uh, we both have a common uh, side on those things. And we both countries, um, we see uh, the United Nations as the main actor for peace and security, especially in the wider understanding of security, including, as I said, climate change and other aspects. Therefore, both states see a seat as a non-permanent member in the Security Council as an important uh, step to, to reach and uh, to work on these issues. So Germany was in the United uh, 
Nation Security Council in 2019 and 20, or Switzerland will hopefully be there in 2023 and 24, and Germany again in 27, 28. So you see, we have um, also working in different organizations, similar approaches uh, to that. Additionally, I think we have the, the same approach to the use of soft power. We see the, the comprehensive approach as the best way uh, to tackle those issues, the coordination of all means and assets in one country and together with like-minded partners. But for all that, it's important to discover upcoming threats as early as possible. So I think we have also a common understanding of the, the necessity of intelligence and analysts. And of course, this also includes the use of military. I think both states uh, see this as a mean, however, not as the first or as uh, the most important mean. However, um, the ability for self and uh, common defense is important. So this also includes um, that we have to have capable forces. So I follow the current Swiss campaign about the new fighter jet with great interest. Additionally, if military is used, uh, Germany and, and Switzerland, we both see UN mandate as, as a big necessity for that. So also we see that there is a necessity for common standards. So we work together in some of the NATO and uh, EU projects where Switzerland as a partner is aligned. So I think this makes clear that there are several fields where Germany and Switzerland can and should work together. Um, you've already touched a little bit on, on, on the notion of uh, soft power in, in our first uh, question. Uh, I wanted to uh, return to this a little bit, uh, also given in mind that uh, among with the other uh, specificities that uh, we can perhaps see between a country like Germany and, and a country like Switzerland, of course, many of also of, of Germany's uh, basic orientations are themselves also defined by the provisions uh, that are actually written in Germany's basic law. So uh, many of the, uh, in particular, uh, I would say uh, Germany's uh, uh, position and, and, and role within uh, an integrating Europe are, are things that have been written into the constitution uh, were already defined in the post-war era and, and also after reunification. So I was wondering, uh, given your experience uh, now that you've uh, been at, uh, at GCSP as, uh, as well, is whether you see uh, some differences uh, or some necessary difference uh, or some or some necessary proximities sorry differences and proximities between a concept of soft power that would be defined in a German way if I can call it this way uh, and a concept of a soft power that uh, is practiced uh, by a country like Switzerland thanks for that question um, I, I'm not a real specialist on that, and, and, and I'm not really aware whether we really have a, a, a clear concept um, for, for use of soft power um, in Germany. But as I said, from my point of view, both countries really rely on soft power as an important tool. Um, and if we take a look at some of the reports coming, for example, from um, Soft Power 30 or the Brand Finance Global Soft Power Index, we see both states aligned in, in the top 10 of, of, of the states uh, using or having soft power. Um, for example, Soft Power 30 ranks Germany at number three and Swiss, Switzerland as number six um, of 30 states and um, Brand uh, ranks Germany two and Switzerland eight. So you see both have their, their soft power and the, both are aware of that and are using it also being aware of some weaker competencies in, in that field. However, I, I see that, um, as I said, soft power is an important tool for Germany, but 
it it's always only one tool. So and we are aware of of hard power as well. And so um, maybe um, Germany is is more in a way of using smart power. So mm-hmm. uh, having both assets. Um, and in comparison, Switzerland, I think to, to to my point of view is is more in a soft and less in a hard power uh, approach. So, however, um, we are both using it. And we are both aware of that. And I think that's a good asset, especially as we we both dealing with a comprehensive approach uh, to tackle all those issues. Uh, well, uh, thank you for that. I, I think that uh, introduces uh, quite easily also my question. Um, it's a trend uh, we've been observing for already a, a few years, but I think uh, the pandemic has also uh, uh, been an occasion to uh, underline the importance of this concept. And, and that's the one uh, that's been much discussed about uh, European strategic autonomy, uh, whatever uh, that however that that is defined so i was wondering whether you've reflected on the the role that uh, germany uh, can contribute to this uh, elaborating this notion defining it or or, or perhaps uh, putting it in, in in action and of course doing this uh, in accordance with uh, its existing uh, uh, principal partnerships uh, for all things uh, security related that that are the eu and nato thanks for that really interesting and important question for germany um i think that the notion of European strategic autonomy, it's, it's more a French term, not yeah. that much German language. Mm-hmm. Uh, Germany is more than willing to support almost all initiatives which strengthen European capabilities, and by that, the ability that Europe can act and react uh, to occurring security challenges. However, uh, we see NATO and the European Union as the main pillars. And so there's not, not an either or, uh, there, there is a both. European Union is facing several current current challenges at the moment. Europe has to stand together, showing solidarity and um, capable of acting, especially now in this pandemic, which worked to be, to my point of view, um, not that well in the European, uh, in the pandemic. However, in other fields, it really worked really, really well. The global strategy 2016 was a good step into that direction. So the intention to take Europe uh, cooperation in the, in the area of security and defense to, to a higher level um, and make faster decisions and act more effic- effectively, especially by um, a better interlink of our civilian and military instruments. Since then, we have started a number of new approaches in the European Union for a common security and defense policy. Um, first of all, of course, uh, PESCO is a point where we, we really try to, to strengthen the European pillar. So the permanent structured cooperation of 25 European countries with a framework started in December 2017, which includes, um, oh, I think at the moment, 20 political binding commitments. For example, increasing defense spending or closer cooperation in developing military capabilities. And here Germany takes, takes a, a big role, um, uh, taking over the responsibility for several projects in the area of PESCO. But PESCO is flanked by two other initiatives. First of all, the coordinated annual review on defense, CART, and the European Defense Fund, EDF. CART is, is the planning instrument uh, to set common priorities uh, for EU cooperation for the first time and identify potential uh, for joint projects. And this includes a system of um, monitoring the national defense spending in order to identify opportunities. And here is Germany really keen uh, to, to step forward. The European Defense Fund, uh, the third pillar, is, I think, the, the 
really important part because this is for the first time that a European budget is uh, can be used for defense issues. So um, the chance to co-finance development, procurement and um, buying of prototypes uh, for European member states is, is really a unique thing. And um, so by that, we want to create uh, incentives for cooperation, increase the efficiency and um, also by that uh, to increase the competitiveness of uh, European security. So with the three core defense initiatives, we have for the first time a system of interlocking complementary and dynamically reinforcing instruments. Additionally, Germany tries to, to strengthen um, the European pillar by uh, an initiative starting with our uh, presidency in the second half of 2020, where we started uh, the attempt by creating a strategic compass. Mm-hmm. Um, this strategic compass initiative is uh, is an attempt really to build a strategic document and on how and when the EU should be able to do and to react in crisis management. The first step um, is already almost done. This is uh, the, the joint threat analysis of the European Union and member states, and then to examine uh, whether and how the EU can or must react. And um, this is close connected, um, of course, with the relationship to France, mm-hmm. uh, not only because of the strategic compass, but of course, with all the relationships we have in France, uh, with France. So this shows a little bit, now stressing the European Union, that Germany tries to strengthen the European pillar in line uh, with these initiatives. However, without neglecting the USA, so the, and now we come to NATO. NATO is for us the core pillar for that transcend transatlantic link and uh, the collective approach to common defense. We see NATO as really strong. However, um, there there is still room for improvement. And the strength comes from its adaptability. And um, but only this can only work when we work really together. Um, And especially that the aggressive behavior by Russia has shown us that uh, we have to work together. And here Germany is also really eager to participate, uh, not only by our presence in the enhanced forward presence in the Baltics, but also by our air policing about the Baltic area. Additionally, we we try to strengthen um, NATO and the European pillar in NATO by taking over uh, the the joint support and enabling command in Ulm, or building up that, and other initiatives uh, to ensure the military forces can be deployed quickly in and through Europe. And also we are working in the Very High Readiness Joint Task Force, WeJTF. We are participating in the Framework Nations concept of NATO and also in the NATO Readiness Initiative. So closing, saying again, or stressing again, closing European capability gaps does not compete with NATO, mm-hmm. but makes a direct contribution to the capability profile. So close cooperation with the NATO, EU is also crucial to meet again the the new challenges for NATO. As I said already, Europeans and Germany um, have to put more into the balance. And this leads us, of course, when we speak about NATO and Germany, to the question of defense spending in NATO. Uh, Therefore, uh, we agreed in 2014 to the defense investment pledge, and uh, we we still stick to it. However, we see that uh, we see the necessity of substantial financial growth based on the actual needs of our armed forces, because this increases reliability as an important sign. However, cash is not everything. Capabilities and contributions have to be taken into account, and this has to be discussed again, maybe at the next summit, uh, 2021, when we might 
start a discussion about a new strategic concept might be the right point at that. So again, now coming back to the point of European strategic autonomy, I think it's important to strengthen the European capabilities. However, never by weakening the transatlantic bond. Sorry for being quite long, but I think it's important to explain that why we see um, when we speak only merrily about imp the importance of European strategic autonomy, we might jump to short. No, no problem. Uh, I think the the historian and, and both the international relations uh, specialists and me appreciate this range of a uh, quite thorough analysis on on your part on on the concept. So thank you very much for that. We we do have time, I think, for a, a last question, and that too, I think, has been inspired by my hats in international relations and in in history, having looked also at the. Uh, the history of Europe before 1914. I noticed, of course, that uh, uh, with the pandemic and, and also for other trends, uh, we, we've experienced often in, in, in Europe uh, uh, a negative feeling about the, the notion of uh, globalization and participating in it. And I know that in for Germany in particular, the notion of actually running a so-called uh, Weltpolitik is also something that you know, raises a lot of uh, questioning and, and soul searching. But I was wondering whether in respect to this notion of actually engaging with the wider world, not just in, in, in Europe, uh, do you feel that uh, Germany and the Germans are finding a role for themselves in the, the global community now? Interesting and challenging question, Paul. I remember um, the Munich Security Conference in 2014, and um, I really appreciate it and heard with great interest when our former president Gauck uh, spoke about Germany's role in the world and what what, what does it mean, um, reflections on responsibility, norms and alliances. Um, his questions and remarks echoed uh, by our German foreign minister and also uh, by our minister of, for defense showed that Germany is aware of its res responsibility to contribute for two solutions to the threats in the world. And this not only just by words of solidarity, but also by contributing very actively and taking over also a res responsible role in that. So you see, we, we are aware of that and the discussion is ongoing. However, when we speak about 2014, we have to speak about 2010, when uh, the predecessor of uh, President Gauck, uh, former President Köhler, had to resign from his presidency for speaking about national politics, uh, driven by interests and uh, speaking about the bigger role of Germany. So you see, uh, this, this discussion is quite old in, in comparison. However, uh, it's heavily discussed and quite controversial. So many states also and organizations are looking at Germany to do more and, and to take over lead. But again, this is seen internally and externally not uncontroversial. So even if Germany is willing and able to take a bigger role, this might not be appreciated by all. But this is only one point. Having said that, I think Germany has already its role in, in the world and in the global community. I tried to, to explain that when, when I spoke about the United Nations, about NATO and the European Union. Um, I think we're taking over uh, our responsibility, but maybe we try to do this not that much by uh, harsh proposals or decisions or military interventions. We are um, participating in United Nations missions, in UN operations and uh, European Union missions and operations. And we are participating also in, in other fields, uh, When we, as I said already, when we're using soft power. So I think we, we try to contribute our part to improve uh, the capabilities of the organizations and try to fulfill our our role in the global community and by that solving um, emergency cases. Um, however, 
it's it might not be what what other expecting of us but it's maybe the discussion about expectation management so i hope this answers your questions well uh very uh, glad uh, to uh, hear all of this and and of course to continue to uh, look at uh, the so many positive and, and creative ways that uh, Uh, Germany can contribute, and 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 certainly your presence uh, here at the the GCSP is uh, also uh, something that's very much appreciated, uh, as has been often the uh, regular German participations in our, in our courses and 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 so on. So, uh, as this is all we're going to have time for today, I want to thank you very much, uh, Markus Kermel Schneider, uh, for joining us uh, today. It was a, a a real pleasure. Thank you, for, Paul, for inviting me. You're welcome. So to our listeners, uh, please listen to us again uh, next week to hear the latest insights on peace, security, and international cooperation. I want to remind you that uh, you can uh, subscribe to us on Anchor FM, on Apple iTunes. You can follow us on Spotify and on SoundCloud. I'm Dr. Paul Valle with the Geneva Center for Security Policy. And until next week, bye for now.